We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello, and welcome to Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city so special. I'm Jeff Hunt, and I'll be your host. Our featured location for episode 18 is the Bayview Opera House slash Ruth Williams Memorial Theater. Joining us is the Opera House's programming manager, Smiley. First, we get to know Smiley through her family's story, which traces back to Haiti and Texas. We get a little sidetracked talking about the 1989 earthquake because Smiley was born very soon after that. Then we hear all about her life leading up to her time at Lowell High School, where, in her words, she spent more time at Brava Theater in the Mission. Check back next week for part two on the Bayview Opera House. Here's Smiley. This is a house of many names. People have called it the Bayview Opera House, People have called it the Opera House, BVOH. The sign says South San Francisco Opera yeah, House. which is the very first name it ever had, built in 1888, because we are in, like, southeast San Francisco. And it's always so funny because people would be like, South San Francisco. And I was like, well, before South San Francisco was a thing, yes. this was all of San Francisco. Right. <laughs> you know, South San Francisco is actually a much later development, and so this was South San Francisco by 1888 navigational standards. Right. <laughs> and so that's what they, you know, that was the marker that they wanted to put. And also, it was the easiest way for them to have intel go out because it's like this is the masons they have you know invites for their parties but also this is a meeting ground so it's much easier to say you know yes established 1888 but you're coming to the south san francisco opera house that's your venue you know like the hyatt <laughs> or the right. marriott your, your landmark your that's where you're going yeah we'll get to all that in a minute mm-hmm. and i know i jumped the gun there but let's hear a little bit about you like I said, if you want to talk about how your family ended up in mm-hmm. San Francisco since you are born and raised. Yeah. So my dad's side is actually on Chicago or whatever. So he's he was only out here because he ended up at the Oakland Army Base. Oh, okay. well, he was in the Navy, so, but he was oh, over Alameda. there. Oh, Alameda. Yeah, he was over there. My dad, um, too. Really cool. Yeah, I'm from Texas, but that's another story. Texas is always another story. <laughs> <laughs> but Texas is a part of my story, too. So his, yeah. so he, you know, his family's over there. But in terms of the folks, uh, so my mom is the person born and raised here. And then her mother came from Texas. Okay. You know um, where about? So I believe she, so it's either she was born in Bryant and raised in Galveston okay. or born in Galveston and raised in Bryant. One Got of those, it. both of them have place where not, I'm not really sure exactly how that goes. Okay. She actually was a mixed race woman and she got sent out here by herself at like nine or 10 because there was a lot of issues with the clan and things. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of run-ins with racist folks out there. There's like a story of like, you know, some white woman being like, oh, you're so pretty and look at you and blah, blah, because my grandmother could pass at the time. And then the moment she realized that my grandmother, who was a darker skinned black woman, was my grandmother's mother, then it became a whole like, why did you let me touch her? 
kind of thing, you know? Um, and a lot of that kind of stuff was happening. Texas was not necessarily the safest place. And so she got sent out this way and lived with the aunt and things like that. And okay. In the city or? First they were, I think, in New New Mexico or something. And then they ended up in the Bay Area. San Francisco lived in Hunter's Point for a minute, um, which is kind of like the touchstone for most yeah, black folks who were coming that route. And then ended up in the Fillmore where my mom was raised. And then my grandfather was a native San Franciscan through and through for himself, but initially got here via boat ride from Haiti. His father was, you know, a seaman. And one day, you know, from Haiti and, and you know, had kind of promised his wife, hey, I'll get you to San Francisco. And so they hitched a ride on a boat. And then he landed here. From Haiti, that's, did they yeah. go through Panama or something? Like I believe so. I don't really know the journey, but like that was one of the, you know, it was a route that he usually worked and he was just like, hop on, let's, and we just won't turn back. Even if they went that way, it's a long ass boat yeah. ride. It was a long journey, probably, I mean, you know, black people, boat rides. But they landed in San Francisco. He bought property. He had his own businesses. My grandfather was a longshoreman, um, but also a musician and a songwriter. Um, and so it was really kind of the bigger creative influence. My grandmother was a teacher. Did he meet her out here? Yeah, they met in high school. And Polytechnical High School. Yes. Currently the circus, the arts. circus Center. That's come into our podcast. I won't bore you with how, but it's it's all tied all, together. Yeah. If you're a native San Franciscan, nine times out of ten, your parent or grandparent Poly. went to Poly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Pelton. And so those are so that was that. They got together and had my mom. And then she she stayed here, never left, grew up in the Fillmore district, went to Galileo, then went to SF State works for the city and then i popped out in 1989 okay oh well funny story so so her due date was october 17th ay 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 and you know nothing really happened in san francisco on october 17th 1989 just a little shiggity no, shake yeah i'm like did you cause the earthquake or did the earthquake cause you <laughs> the the running joke that we have is that I was like, I think you guys are busy. I'll wait. Oh, <laughs> um, you came along. Yeah, I, I came an exact week later. But okay. Was, what's funny is that the birth stories are always funny, but my mom was like, actually, you know, when you were being born, there was a 5.4 aftershock. Oh, right. And the ceiling cracked above, you know, <laughs> above. And there was a whole, you know, like, look at, look at what happened. You know, look, here's this newspaper clipping. And I was like, oh yeah, no pressure. You know, yeah. just coming in with an earthquake, no pressure. No one's going to expect me to be great or anything. Nah, <laughs> this is cool. I think you might be the f- like closest person I've met to being born at that very yeah. infamous moment. And so where like, hypothetically, like where did she bring you home to? Where did y'all live? So I came home to the Lakeview area, um, Ingleside. So we lived at, um, on Broad Street from what I can recollect. I believe my mom and grandma like moved around like a, a bunch of different parts of the city. But my earliest memory is being over there. Yeah, started my life off there as I can remember. And then I've also lived in Bayview, Hunters Point, for like a third of my life. I was living out here at Caseta and Ingalls. And it's really crazy because the Bayview Opera House, like, yeah, I've done black honor roll parades at the Baby Opera House as a middle school student or 
I was in a choir in my middle school and we performed at the Bayview Opera House. And so it was always like a place. Just always in your it, life, kind of. It kinda. was always a, a place to be. And it was always just a great, you know, this was one place where you could walk in and just be like, oh my God, hi, hey, oh, hey, hi, you know. Community hub. Absolutely. And see cool stuff. And But then we moved to different parts of the city. And yeah, so I went to. going to say, let's hear uh, what schools you went to. All the schools. Let's hear about it. I would say, let's see, where, where can I start? Um, my grandmother taught at like Florence Martin in Grattan. So I remember going and visiting over there. But kindergarten through first or second grade was the um, International Christian School, which was actually located at the church. It's right by the SF LGBT Center or like right around there next to where the, the LGBT housing. It's not that church when with the neon, is it? When you're coming off the freeway? I think so. I think it was a part of that church, but it, it, it's been gone for a while. So I was there, and then while I was there, I got recruited <laughs> and given a scholarship to the Hamlin School for Girls. Okay. So I went there for second and third grade. I was born in October, and so you know how they always it doesn't matter how old you are, you you might be behind. And then I would always be like, skip me. And my mom would be like, actually, you should stay right where you are, you know, which I, I appreciate her for. But then after Hamlin, I went to Lafayette Elementary because Hamlin was a little bit much and they weren't where they are now. Now they're doing a lot of really active work in diversity and inclusion there headmistress is black and like it's a black woman and so there's a lot back then it was, a little, it was a little different it was a little different dealing with people with money it wasn't completely horrible all the time but it was also not necessarily a good place to have a young black girl be grounded right in the fact that she's black and she don't have these people money right and that things will change and so i went to lafayette elementary and lafayette is actually the place where i did I think my first real theater show? Okay. Um, I got to be this is major. still elementary. This is still elementary. So fourth okay. and fifth grade, I was over there, and fifth grade is when I got to be the major general in the Pirates of Penzance. Oh shit! And it was really funny because I like auditioned for the sheriff, and I didn't get it, and I went, "Oh my god, oh, I deserve so much more." Right. I really wanted that role, and I was given the major general, and I was like, Psh, "Whatever," you know, because I didn't know the show i didn't realize that the major general was actually a lead role pretty yeah and, and i don't act, i don't actually know pirates is it a musical it's a musical so there's some singing there is except hilariously enough i was like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sing so we ended up making the major general song basically like my first rap song yes <laughs> just like going spoken word the, yeah which is what i ended up doing so it ended up being more in that kind of rhythm than it was and Part of the reason why Sherry Rosenberg, who I love forever, and is, is my, that's my Jewish mama. Got it. She was like, well, the reason why I gave you that role is because you talk really fast. And I think you could handle the rhythm. Yeah. And she was like, I think, and she was like, and it's the less singy of songs. Looking out for you and the production. Which was fantastic. Yeah. And I was like, that's so great to have someone who fully understands it. And actually, what was also really beautiful is that she has always been a part of theater, has always been a part of performing arts and whatever. And actually, she took me to see my first musical, which is Beauty and the Beast, because I hadn't ever gone to really see a musical. Right. And she was like, come see Beauty and the Beast with me. And I went, uh, uh. and I was an, a whole adult, and I was still like, 
oh my God, the tech and the stuff. And I, like, I went up to the sound person. And I went, oh my God, your board is so cool. Like, yeah. What is happening? Oh my God, it moves. <laughs> was this downtown at yeah. one of the theaters? At Orpheum, I think. Okay. Wait, Smiley, I have a question. So yeah. this Pirates of Penzance, your participation in it. Mm -hmm. At the time, you said it was like fourth or fifth grade or something. Mm -hmm. You're still in elementary school. Was it just like one of the things you did or was it already like you knew you this is what you wanted? It was one of the things I did. Like I played clarinet, which was hilarious because I have asthma. So that was the whole thing. <laughs> that could be a genre. <laughs> Asthmatic clarinet. Clarinets. It was pretty interesting. And that did not last long. Um, and I was a cheerleader for like a hot five seconds. Um, okay. But I still have my pom-poms. So it was just into, I've always liked doing stuff. And doing stuff Arts in front of people, yeah. but not necessarily, you know, from a very young age, I had decided I was going to be an attorney. And so all of that was just stuff I like to different. do. But whenever, if you ask me what my career, what do you want to be when you grow up? At first it was actually a psychiatrist. And then I was like, I don't know if I could actually handle listening to people's problems. It's a lot. So Taking them on. Yeah. And I was like. It's like I can give good advice, but I don't know if I can actually make a career. Mm -hmm. but thank you to all those people who yeah. do. Bless them. I need you all. And also, I'm sorry that Kaiser sucks. So that was, that was it. But it was kind of over in the thing. And I was also, you know, I got to be in the little gifted and talented education classes, which meant that we had extra little, you know, perks. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like you don't have to do the, the same after school programs or whatever that everybody else is doing. You get to do a more art and cultural thing, which is a whole other conversation in reflection. But, you know, I was like, cool, I'll take that on. That sounds like fun. I've, I've been around musicians and songwriters my whole life. Like my mom, you know, professional dancer, like performing arts is not new to me. Right. I go to church, you know, was going to church every Sunday, you know, so we had a choir and we had all the stuff. So it's like music. And you were in the choir? Stuff. I was in the choir. Okay. God bless them. They knew how to blend, you know, they knew how to blend. I was, I was not the voice of voices, but they, they <laughs> layered me on in there. They sure did. So it was just a thing. And I actually got to work with the professional actor who would do Pirates of Penzance with Lamplighters. And he was the major general. And so I was like kind of one of the, the few people in the cast that got like one-on-one -on -one professional, like woo doo woo. Is that understudy? Uh, Similar to that. Similar. You know, like I, if he ever fell off, I could have definitely stepped in and handled it. And so... It was just the process was a lot of fun. And I was also acting opposite of like my like best friend slash nemesis. Like I couldn't stand him, but we were also very similar. And like he is still a best friend of mine and I love him to death, Sherry's son. And so I thought it was also great too because I was like, is this like also some subversive, like, you know, restorative justice theater <laughs> thing? Like make these two people play opposites of each other and then like through the power of theater, they'll come to love each other. The universe <gasps> has its ways. It, it has its ways. Yeah. And I was like, if the, even if that wasn't the intention, that's what happened. Happened. We like whatever differences or whatever we had, it was so much more important for us to have fun and do the things. And it's funny now, too, because even at that time, he was like, I want to be a pirate. Pirates are awesome. And then he ended up actually going to like Maritime Academy and working in, in, in is on ships, you there know. You and I was like, I actually kind of got bit by this theater bug thing. It's cool. And, you know, here I am. So middle school and high school, more theater 
Kind of. Middle school was actually, so I did some theater. I had drama program and got to do stuff like that. But it's actually where I started doing more spoken word and poetry. Awesome. Your own poetry? Yeah. Awesome. My mom was also a writer and she like saw that that was something I like to do. Even in fourth and fifth grade, like writing, actually before that second grade, I was like, I'm all into this writing thing. Me, words, great. Deep down wish outside of being an attorney like I want to be an author but I don't know it's very hard to be a published author so let me be an attorney kind of thing but like always really loved words reading writing all that stuff and so started writing poetry and really started writing poetry because I did a lot of writing for the church that I was in there was also like a section for young people to kind of lead parts of service and like do written reflections because because my pastor was amazing. And so that kind of led me into doing more things like that. But it's also where I got into event production. Okay. Because they would have, like, you know, at the same time that we were doing that, my mom and her boyfriend at the time were artist managers. So they would, like, manage local artists, and they would do event promotion, and they would do all that stuff like that. So I would always... Performing artist types or... Yeah, like rappers, singers, okay. dancers, like... You know, and so they were, like, producing events at clubs and, and going to all the stuff. So I was seeing all that, and I was like, ooh, this is really cool, too, like, being around in the in the midst of stuff and, you know, getting backstage and seeing how stuff is happening and, and always being kind of less interested in the artist that was around, but also ju just the... The production. The production of it. The uh, the show. And going, like, these people in black are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, they're stone-faced and wonderful. <laughs> I want to be like that when I grow up. I want to press all these cool buttons. And so at my middle school, you know, we would have dances or there would be like a, I don't know, like a talent show or something. And I would just be like, who wants to help do this? And I'm like, I'm not going to do any of the things on the stage. But, like, I can totally get us a DJ, you yeah. know? I can totally, like, curate this thing and find fashion designers if we want special guests. And, like, I can totally figure this out. And so I started really kind of dipping my toe in, like, event production and curation. And I had a really supportive, like, principal in, in school. And they were like, all right, cool. Like, that's going to be your thing. You know, we're going to mm -hmm. come to you and you're going to do that. And so then it was also great, too, because then I could pull on my, my mom and be like, can you get so-and-so for me? Set in. Can you go yeah. da, da da And so, you know, we would have school dances, but we would have, like, my, my emotion in there. We'd have Chewy Gomez come through. And we would have, like, and I would be like, yeah. And, I, and it was very much like I'm not trying to be in the front you're of behind this. the scene yeah like I don't I don't Under need the to, to host it or right. be in the front but like just the the sheer like I see everybody having fun and like I got to be a part of how that happened was like super cool gratifying it was super gratifying yeah and this is high school that was middle school oh, that's oh shit we're not <laughs> I even in high school. high school yet when I was middle school and then in high school I went to Lowell so middle school was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Academic Middle School, home of the Cobras, Cobras our school, his dream. It was very much put into to our mind. Our school, his dream. But okay. um, our principal at the time, which was, it was beautiful because, you know, schools change. And after we graduated, he also retired. But Mr. Taylor, one, was a was a colleague and comrade of my grandmother's, right? And knew my mom. And so, like, it was also kind of stepping into a space of safety, but also he became an educator around this whole, like, Black is Beautiful, Pan-African, like, know your history. So our curriculum, while 
yes, we are gonna we're gonna ace the standardized test and we gotta do all that stuff. Right. Um, and he went to Lowell, so he definitely had this whole work ethic thing about him. It was very much like learning about self-respect, self-identity, self-determination, right? And then very important things about how you show yourself and represent yourself in the black community, right? And and being very Afrocentric in that way. Not necessarily like supremacist, but also like do not feel like you have to back down as a black person to these things. Also don't go out here showing your behind to the world, you know, act like you have some sense, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, we watched movies like Zankofa and, and talked about the realities of slavery, like how brutal it was and what it is and where this, and you would have no glossing over. There was no glossing words. over, but yeah, we also good. talked to, like, we also had classes that focused on rich dad, poor dad, right? And looking at financial education, reading the art of war, you know, really starting to, and no one else in all these other middle schools, I don't know what they were doing. I don't want to talk bad about them, but I don't know. Right. I don't know what they were doing, but it didn't feel like they were all getting that same kind of like instilled pride of like being black educated or whatever and it just felt good it also felt good to be in a place where like you're taught to not feel like you don't deserve to be in certain places so i always would just walk into a place like no i'm supposed to be here that's awesome it was super empowering which did a lot for me too in terms of i grew up in a time which sounds really funny to say where like i would always like look at older black folks and be like, why are y'all so angry? What is, well, look, what is wrong with you? You know, you guys are, you're hurt. Like that was so long ago, you know, like <laughs> no one's racist anymore. Like no one does that anymore. Ooh, None of them. Uh-huh. It was like this beautiful San Francisco kid naivete, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're in this bubble and we have all these different colored friends and we're not participating in the world. We're kids. So we're not participating in the world on a daily basis. We're not seeing anything. And so, I would always be like, why do you have to act like that? Like, what's wrong with you? Now I totally understand, which is, <laughs> you know, you. <laughs> it sucks because I'm like, I, I wish I didn't understand. I wish we, we lived in the world that I thought we lived in. But it did so much for me in terms of helping me self-identify as a black woman mm-hmm. that I don't think I would have had the strength to make it through my experience at Lowell right. or in academia in general, or definitely in the theater scene, mm. because there's not a lot of us. It gave you some comp, it not gave, even some. It, it gave me what I needed. Confidence it, it gave me a solid foundation, yeah, yeah. right? And again, not to necessarily be judgy or elitist, right? Because that was a conversation we had too, like you're not better than anybody. Like understand the systems and the structures in place, right? I'm starting to build this vocabulary. And then getting to Lowell, and being one of not many black folks and coming from a school in the Bayview or whatever, which has its connotations and being around kids from Biz Valley who are also coming in and not having its connotations and literally, you know, having teachers be like, maybe you're not low material or like giving the air that like, we're not supposed to be there, splitting us up, right? So there was like an A schedule and a B schedule and the A schedule was like the, the regular schedule, B schedule was like some kind of separate, different track yeah. and, and which was a whole problem on, a, on its own. But, you know, even just having that kind of structural separation yeah. of like, you're the black kids that we think are worth something. And then these are the black kids we ship off to the bungalows and like want to see them on the court. (laughs) Right. We're not mad at them on the track field and we're not mad at them at football. We're not mad at them at basketball, but we also, we're not going to give them 
the same time and energy that we give you. Not that the, the time classroom. and energy that we give you is going to be great, right? Either, you know, you encounter like a, a, a teacher of color who is trying to get you to understand how much people don't want you to be there. So they're going mm. to, so they're going to like, you know, push you because they want you to understand, or you're going to get people who automatically assume that you're not supposed to be there and will treat you as, as that, right? Being told you're not Lowell material. And it's like, well, I'm not a public school for God's sake, you know? Yeah. Or both me and a friend of mine being accused of plagiarism because our teacher didn't think that we could possibly be that articulate and possibly have that kind of writing skill. And again, I was writing for a very long time. She was writing for a very long time and she wrote about, she, her house is across the street from the opera house and she wrote about living in the Bayview, right? And trying to, and she just couldn't be able to talk about it that way. She just had to be stealing it from somewhere. And when I was writing poetry and things like that, you just had to get that from somewhere. And I was like, well, find it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But also <laughs> like, it's super damaging to go from person to person and, and situation to situation to have people consistently think that you couldn't possibly, right? That you're only here for numbers or like, you know, poster sake, but not because you're actually an intelligent human being, right? And it's isolating and it it's not a great place socially. There's a lot Strong of inherent, ass bias. it's a lot of it's a lot of crazy stuff. It's also the moment when you realize that there is separation between people of color, right? All people of color are not for not all people of color. So going like, well, I don't know what to call this because it's not racism as I know it because racism is usually a black and white thing. This is though something that we can now call, now call anti-blackness, but no one was using that term, right? It's like, you just don't like me because I'm black. Like this, this, and it doesn't matter what color you are, right? This isn't even racism. This is just, just for the sake of me being black, right? And navigating through that and figuring out how to navigate through that. It wasn't all horrible. Everyone wasn't horrible to sure. me. I did have friends, but it's like the way you had to find it or the way, you know, I was in the forensic club and they were like, yeah, you'd be really good at this type of thing because like, you can rap fast, like like Twista, right? And it was like, not to say that I don't think Twista's great, cause I was a fan. <laughs> not to say that I don't speak fast, but your instant like connection for me was your black, Boxing. black rapper yeah. rap this, this you do. And I'm like, well, maybe I didn't want to do that. <laughs> maybe I wanted to actually maybe work on how fast I talk mm -hmm. or something or do some other thing. But like, that's the instant. It's harmful, but it's also like, there's also just the way that people are being taught in their house. So some of it is also, it's not harmless, but it's not intentional either. It's not malicious. It's just a, an un, some unmitigated ignorance, right? Just right. like that we're dealing with. And then finding out too that like, there's all these people on the wall at Lowell. And okay. You have Carol Channing. And I, like, I got to meet her and she's a lovely woman. She was a lovely woman. Loved her. She was still funny. I ain't got no problem with the fact that we have Carol Channing Theater or whatever. But then I found out that Jessica Hagedorn went to Lowell. And I'm like, badass Filipina. Where's her picture? Where's her? And I found out that our poet laureate, Devorah Major, went to Lowell. Mm -hmm. Where's her? We're not going to talk about her. We're not going to talk about the fact that it's like the most you'll get in terms of talking about literary people is the fact that Lemony Snicket went there, mm. which is like great. Right. But they only talk about Lemony Snicket. They don't talk about the book. The hate. Is it the hateful eight or it's the it's some it's a different title that he wrote about 
being at Lowell and oh. scandals and the environment. And unfortunately, the They're environment and the, the scandals, was not, they didn't want to talk about that. You know, yeah. like, Lemony Snicket, you know, so it's like. But you stuck it out. You graduated I from Lowell? I did, in fact, graduate from Lowell. And Lowell, you know, I will say I survived Lowell because I also wasn't at Lowell that much. I was at Lowell for class. And then I ran to the Brava Theater because... That's in the Mission, That's in the right? Mission. 24th Street? Yeah, yeah, 24th in York. Because that's where I actually started doing more spoken word. And I started working with a group called Colored Inc. And we did hip-hop theater. Is this... I'm going to guess because, of, because we know what year you were born. Is this like... 2007, 2006, 7, 8, around that time? Yeah. yeah, that's where it started. Like, I had I had an aunt that knew about Javier and his work that he was doing, but also I had a ninth grade English teacher who's now a really fantastic friend of mine who, like, saw the writer in me and was like, let me, let me actually nurture this thing, right? And so she introduced me to Ntozaki Shanga and, like, not only introduced me to her writing, but I actually got to meet Ntozaki and, like, hang out in her apartment in Oakland and, like, be too, like, dull mouth to, like, ask her questions that I wish I could ask her now. But I was just like, ah, Awestruck. ah, because her writing was just so revelatory. And I got to meet Jessica Hagedorn and Miss Naris. Cause like I can't, I can't call her Nicole. It's so weird. Uh, but Miss, but Miss Nurse is also like the way that I was introduced to Camposanto, which is now my artistic home. Though, like the first Camposanto show I saw was Faye in the Desert when I was in high school, and it's because, and Faye in the Desert was by Jessica Hagedorn and. The only reason why I got to go is because my teacher was going to go with Intizaki, but Intizaki actually backed out and was like, I don't feel well. Mm. And so she was like, hey, you know, you want to go? And my mom was like, you know, all for it because my mom's always been about that. And so we went to go see that show and I'm oh, looking nice. around and I'm like, there's all the, I'm Margot Hall is on the stage as yeah. the lead, just Margot Halling. And there's all these beautiful people of color on stage. And then there's the unicorn that is Sean San Jose walking through. And I look up and there's production people of color. And I'm like, I got to be with these In people. In that world. I got to be wherever this is, mm-hmm. which I'm blessed because now I am. That was Smiley from Bayview Opera House. Kayla Anchel did sound design on this episode. Part two on the Opera House drops next week. We'll see you then. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.